Father, we are excited to be a part of the work of the kingdom. We believe, Lord, that you have called us for such a time as this, for such a purpose as this, to be senders, to be, to be going and, and preaching the gospel. And Lord, we can't all go, but Lord, we can all help others go. And so I pray that you will continue, Lord, just to give us opportunity to, to send, that we be led by your Spirit, directed by you, God. I do pray a blessing on the offerings, God, that would be received here today. We thank you for your faithfulness and your provision. And God, we would ask also that you would now speak to us from your word as we open the scripture together, God. Oh, that you would bring it to life in our hearts today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. On Sunday mornings, what I typically do is I pray and ask the Lord to lead me to a book in the Bible, Old or New Testament that He wants me to teach us through as a congregation. And uh, there's no we're not going set through the Bible. That's what we are doing on Wednesday nights. But on Sunday morning, I'm asking the Lord to kind of give that direction as He would desire. And we've just finished 1 Corinthians, but it was actually some weeks back that I felt the Lord speaking to my heart that when we were done with 1 Corinthians, we should track right on into 2 Corinthians, that we would get the full picture of the Apostle's heart for this church. Now, um, this setting for this letter is a little different than the first letter that we studied, 1 Corinthians. You remember that letter he wrote, uh, a lot of it was corrective, straightening out some problems that he had been informed of in the church, answering certain questions that had arisen concerning the church, and much of that was written. Well, uh, as he wrote that letter, the majority of the church received that instruction. They got that letter, and a majority within the church, they were, they were obedient to that instruction. They submitted to that as the Lord's word for them as a church. But a few, a minority, but some within the church actually rejected Paul's letter. They felt like, you know, we're not sure if he's the apostle that we want to really be following. They had other apostles in that day, that, and for some there were others that were more popular to them, and so they, they weren't really ready to submit to Paul's leadership and authority for the church. And now Paul, in his second letter, he's going to commend and encourage those that have responded to his instructions from the Lord, but he's also going to address some of those that are seemingly resistant and kind of stirring trouble. In fact, uh, some even saying, you know, we don't need Paul, we're apostles too. And Paul would call them false apostles, and we'll see that uh, later on as in, in our study. But that gives you kind of the purpose for his writing. Now, he is on his way to Corinth. He's with Timothy. He's traveling there. Part of uh, this letter is to prepare them for his arrival. He's also going to be collecting an offering that he's collecting from all the churches there in Macedonia so that he can bring an offering back to the church in Jerusalem. So we'll see that as we get into our study through this letter, but that gives you a little bit of kind of the, the setting in which the letter is written. Uh, but today's study, we'll just be looking at the first 11 verses, and I'm calling today's message, The God of All Comfort. The God of All Comfort. And uh, let's begin now, if you will, following with me, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, 
to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in many ways, this is something of a standard greeting that Paul starts his letters with. But not in every case does he emphasize quite as strongly as he does here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Remember, there are people in the church that are just kind of questioning Paul's authority. They're not sure of his sincerity. They're not sure of his doctrine. They're not, they're not really submitted to him. And Paul is saying, listen... Uh, I'm, I'm writing to you as an apostle of Jesus Christ, not because I appointed myself to this role, not because a vote was taken and I was nominated for this role. I am an apostle by the will of God. God called me to this ministry. God has entrusted this ministry to me. And Paul is wanting to emphasize that because that ministry that God has for the church He's going to bring through the leadership that he has raised up to speak to that church. In this case, the Apostle Paul. And if you begin to dismiss the leadership that God has for a particular church or ministry, then you really are dismissing the Lord. Because he's the one that uses the vessels that he chooses to minister into the life of the church. And the Apostle Paul, he's not doing this for selfish reasons. This is not some you know, a pride of the Apostle but rather a protective heart for the people. And what you're going to see as we work our way through in the coming weeks in the book of 2 Corinthians, this is the most transparent letter the Apostle Paul writes. Paul is going to really bear his soul to this people. He's going to open up his heart. It's a window into the heart of the Apostle Paul. It's a window into the heart of a a minister. You're going to see the vulnerability. You're going to see the the, the willingness to acknowledge his weakness and yet also his commitment to defend what God has entrusted him to do. And so we will see that. And it's a beautiful letter for that reason that we get this glimpse of a minister's heart. Anybody interested in ministry and any ministry that you would want uh, to serve in, this is a letter worth reading because it gives you uh, a minister's heart and the heart of a shepherd, the heart of God, really, that he's, that he's put into his Apostle Paul. But he says to you, grace and peace. As Pastor Chuck Smith said, you know, grace and peace, these are like Siamese twins in the Scriptures. They come together. They come in pairs. Grace and peace. And he likes to quote them in that order. Grace is what you need from God in order to have peace with God. You don't have His grace, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have peace with God by your own religious efforts or your own good work or being good enough. That's not going to give you peace with a holy and righteous God. You're going to have to appeal to His grace. You're going to have to receive the grace that He has for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And in receiving grace, peace becomes yours as a product of faith in Christ. Grace and peace. And now he goes on, and let's take a look, verses 3-7, through and he'll speak very specifically about the comfort of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. It is for your consolation... Excuse me. Uh, Now if we are afflicted, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer, or if we are comforted, this also is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope, verse 7... For you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. The Apostle Paul says, I want to talk to you today about the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You know, that's a good picture of the Heavenly Father that we come to. He is a Father of mercies, and He is a God of all comfort. I would ask you today, how do you envision your Heavenly Father? You know, some, I think, have uh, an improper view of the Lord. I I was reading in an article here, somebody promoting kind of evolution. And the evolutionist's claim was, you know, if either evolution is true or God is a cosmic ogre. You know, if, if there is a God, then He's mean and he's, he's, you know, insensitive. He's an ogre. He's a bully. Well, that's not the biblical representation of our Heavenly Father. But, you know, some feel that way. Some think God is pulling a cruel trick on humanity. We're all suffering. And if there's a loving God, why are these things happening? We don't understand all of the, the things that go on. And so God's image is tarnished by the devil and by people who do not understand Him and and are not enlightened by His Word. But the Bible gives a picture completely different of God. He is an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. But He is also all-loving, and He is merciful, and He is long-suffering, and He is patient. And He has compassion for His people. And He's concerned for your well-being. Jesus said, even the number of hairs upon your head are numbered. God is intimately involved and interested in your life. He is not some far-off cosmic being. He is a God that wants to have personal relationship with you. He loves you. And He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to demonstrate His love. Jesus said, if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus, His whole life, He went about doing good, healing and loving and showing compassion. This is the Heavenly Father expressed through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is not harsh, He is not insensitive, but rather He is loving, He is tender. Now the question comes to mind, how does God bring comfort into my life? I want to draw some attention to at least three areas that I believe God brings comfort into your life. The first area that, that I'd like to point out is He brings comfort through His Word. You know, in His Word there are precious and magnificent promises. And you know, in time of trial, in time of trouble and difficulty, a promise from God, which is sure and steadfast, can bring great comfort and assurance. 
I'm talking about the Scriptures as they open up to you and the Holy Spirit brings something to life off of the page. And God's Word ministers, that Word in season, that that Word that you needed to hear in this crisis, in this time. And, oh, the Scripture. You knew it was there, but you forgot about it. And it came to life right here, right now. And I needed that. A Word of comfort. A Word in season. You know, I can remember in my own life, it was many years ago, I'd fallen away from the Lord and backslid and, and then I came back to the Lord. But after that time of, you know, stumbling and struggling in sin, you know, when I came back to the Lord, I, I had a great sense of shame and condemnation. And, uh, you know, it, it just the doubts that come into your heart, you know, Lord, how, how can I come home to you now? How can you receive me? Why would you receive me? Just those, you know, sincere feelings of of condemnation that come upon your life when you've fallen from the Lord and then looking to come back to Him. And I'll remember this for the rest of my life. I remember where I was. I was kneeling in a corner on my couch. It was an early morning. And I was just crying out before the Lord. I had just recently rededicated my life, but I was feeling so unworthy and feeling like, God, I don't think that there's any hope for me. I don't know if you even want me. And this passage was opened up in my Bible, and I read Matthew 12 and verse 20. It's a quote from the book of Isaiah, but I found it in Matthew, and it said this, speaking of Jesus, A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax... He will not quench. A bruised reed, that's what I was. I was a bruised reed. I was a smoking flax. Another uh, translation says a wick burning dimly. And that was a description of my spiritual life. I was bruised. I was barely flickering. And this word of comfort comes to my heart. Jesus, I won't break you. I won't snuff you out. I've come to redeem. I've come to restore. There's still hope. I have a future and a hope and a plan for your life. You come, you return to me. No, you're not worthy. <laughs> yes, you're, you're messed up. <laughs> but I love you. And I'm going to put you back together. And we're going to walk together. And I'm not going to break you. And I'm not going to put you out. I'm going to rebuild. And I'm going to stoke that flame. And you're going to be useful in my kingdom. And that was a word of hope into my heart at a time when I needed it, and it brought comfort to me. God's Word can bring great comfort to you. This is why it's essential that you spend time in His Word. Many struggle, and they're discouraged, and even depressed, and where is God? Well, if you just get into His Word, He wants to speak a word of encouragement to you. He wants to bring comfort. But if you don't avail yourself to His Word, then you miss that opportunity that God has to speak something alive and powerful into your soul. And I tell you, that Word, you know, like I said, many, many years ago, it's still precious in my heart. I hold it today. I remember where I was. I remember what was going on. I remember everything about that moment that God spoke to my heart through His Word. And I've had numerous words like that along my journey, and not every time I open the Bible is it quite as profound, but it's always something good. And I'll tell you, when you need a word of comfort, His Word is the place to find it. Not only from the Word of God, but also the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I recognize that even God's Word is ministered into your heart via the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved in all of this comforting. But there can be a times there can be times in your life when the Holy Spirit Himself will impart a special 
grace, a special comfort, a special help in a very difficult time of need. I shared uh, with the church on Wednesday about my pastor friend from Calvary Chapel, San Diego, Pastor Brian Newberry, his wife Cheryl. They lost their 21-year-old son this week in an automobile accident. Actually, the accident was last week, but then he passed away early this week. And so the funeral was held in San Diego, and my wife and I and my two sons, we went down for the funeral, along with some other pastors. We went and attended the, the funeral in San Diego, and it was a beautiful service. And Tracy was the young man's name, and he was a believer, and we know that he's with the Lord But, you know, so unexpected and so young, it was a difficult time for the family. And they had videotaped some of the testimony from various members of the family at this event when Tracy passed away. He was in the hospital and struggling, and eventually he passed. And his mother, Cheryl, was on video, and she gave her testimony. And she talked about the last few moments of Tracy's life. She said, you know, we were at the hospital and and we knew that it was, you know, not good. But then we got the word, it's time to come in. He could pass at any moment. And she said, when I I heard that word, I just, I couldn't go in. She said there was, and she described it, there was this wretched pain and sorrow and agony of heart. And I said, God, I just can't go in. I I can't see this. I can't watch this. And as she cried out to God, she said that the Holy Spirit came upon her and flooded her with a sense of peace. And this wretched wrenching of heart, all of a sudden it was dispelled. And the Holy Spirit, almost like an oil, just came upon her and completely brought peace. Peace that passes understanding. And all of a sudden, she said, I felt the strength to go in and be at my son's side. And she said, I went in. And I went in with peace. And she said, you know, I can't explain this, but she said, I was there. And he was taking his last breaths. And his very last breaths, his last puffs, she said, I felt his breath across my face. And she said, when his last breath went out, again, the Holy Spirit brought a sense of joy. In that instant, I knew my son was with the Lord. In that instant, the Holy Spirit let me know and rejoice that He was with His Savior. He was with Jesus. He was where we all want to be. And she said, I can't explain it. I I started with this wretched agony of not being able to go in. I went in in peace, and the Holy Spirit gave me a sense of joy, a, a confidence. I'll be reunited with Him, and He's in a beautiful, better place in the Lord. Now, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't work that up. You can't, you know, talk yourself into that. That is the very real presence of God meeting a heart in need and bringing comfort. Think about it. A mother at the deathbed of her 21-year-old son and she has peace and joy in her heart from God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is faithful to meet you in your time as you cry out to Him. He gives grace, that deep inner sense of His presence, His love, His character. His presence is important, isn't it? Isn't it good to know that you're not alone, that He's with you? 
Doesn't just that knowledge help you weather the storm? That He loves you, that He's not against you, He's for you, and that His character is faithful and true. He will bring you through. You will not be disappointed for putting your trust in Him. The Holy Spirit is a great comfort in time of need. Thirdly, and I think part of what Paul is really emphasizing here, a third way in which God brings comfort to us is through other Christians, through the body of Christ. We pray for one another when we're going through something. Sometimes it's just practical help. You know, sometimes you just need somebody to come over and help you, you know, fix a plumbing problem in your home and you're overwhelmed and it's a trial and there's a brother that can come and help or some other crisis, just practical help in time of need, or just sometimes just being there, having somebody to come alongside. They don't need to say anything. In fact, sometimes it's better not to say anything. But just be there with someone. That sense of having a brother or sister in Christ standing by you, weeping with those who weep. And you know, the Apostle Paul He points that out here. He said, you know, with the comfort that you receive from God, you're going to be able to pass that comfort on to others. He's talking about this connection, being with God's people, that someone has been where you are. Someone's going through the same thing, or they've come through the same thing. And there is something, I can't explain it, but I can't deny it, there is something about a word from someone who has been through your trial. There is a special anointing, a special grace that it just ministers to your heart when someone can say, honestly, listen, what you're going through, I've been through it. I've been there. I've walked through that valley and I want you to know that God met me there and He brought me through. He comforted me. He delivered me. He brought me through to the other side. And He's with you too. Doesn't that bring comfort? Doesn't that bring an encouragement to know that others that have walked through the same trials that you're walking through can now say, look, God brought me through. He'll bring you through. That's a word of comfort. And it comes through the Holy Spirit's ministry in our hearts. One to another. Financial trials. Oh, just trials of family, married life, parenting, health trials, ministry trials, work trials, all kinds of opportunities for God to comfort. And all of us go through them. Paul does not preach a message here, hey, God's going to give you opportunity to escape trial. He says He's the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. He will comfort you. He will be with you in that trial. And the work that He does in you, guess what? He will eventually do it through you because you'll be able to minister that comfort to someone else. That's exactly what He's speaking about. And He wants to go on now. Look with me in verse 8. He wants to explain even His own trial and how the Lord has used it to teach Him to learn to trust in God. Verse 8, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. 
Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that He will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. The Apostle Paul wanting to add some weight to his words. When the Apostle Paul said, listen, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, He's going to comfort you in trial. And you know, you might you might think, well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through. But Paul wants to say, no, no, I do know what you're going through. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to think that this is just happy talk to encourage you. I want you to know I've been through these kinds of ordeals. I know what I'm talking about. God has taken me to a place. I had trouble in Asia. Asia was uh You know, where Ephesus, the church was that he had planted. He's just coming out of of Ephesus as he writes this letter. He's he's been there a couple of years. If you read in Acts chapter 19, you, you know something of the trouble that he ran into while he was at Ephesus. You know, he was preaching the gospel, and the gospel was being so effective in the city of Ephesus, as people were getting saved, they were throwing away their you know, their silver and bronze idols. They were worshiping the true and living God. And it was happening in such a dramatic fashion that the, that the craftsmen, you know, the little idol sales shops, were actually hurting in business. And Demetrius, one of the silversmiths, took note and said, you know what, if this guy keeps preaching a gospel and people are coming out of idolatry, you know, we're, our sales are going to get hurt. We're, this is going to hurt us financially. And they began to stir up trouble against Paul and the message of the gospel. Think about that. He said, you know, we're making these idols to Diana. Diana needs help. Our God needs our help. Can you imagine a God that needs your help? I don't want a God that needs my help. I want a God that can help me. But no, so they cook up this little trouble, and it turns into a riot. It turns into a big kind of a fiasco in the city. The Bible says no small commotion, a great stir. And so much so that that this kind of mob mentality took over. Yeah, yeah, who are these guys? Great is Diana, great is Diana. And they ran into the outdoor theater there and they chanted and chanted for two hours. And the Apostle Paul and the whole city was kind of gathered and Paul wanted to go in and, and speak to the crowds. But some of the leaders of the city said, don't you dare. They were believers, and they said, you go in there, they will tear you to pieces. That is a mob, and they are worked up. And they they forbid him from going in, but they went in and and calmed the city down and said, listen, this this needs to be handled in a civil manner, or you're going to have trouble here. And they calmed down, and so the Apostle Paul, it says immediately after that, the Apostle Paul left town. So it must have been more than just that one event. It must have been now becoming something of even the possibility of a death threat upon the apostle and and the early church leaders. We don't know. He doesn't give us uh, complete detail, but we do know some of the troubles that he had in Asia. And he says he describes them beyond measure above strength. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that little phrase. Have you ever been in a trial that was beyond measure? 
and above strength. You come to that place where you just can't bear it. You're overwhelmed. You don't know what to do. You can't do anything. And it's just, it's too big. And what he goes on to say is that that's actually where the Lord led him because he wanted to grow and mature his faith. Listen to the way that the New Living Translation translates this. I think it gives a little color to what Paul was saying. We, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. He'd come to that place where, okay, this is it. I'm going to die. This is going to be, you know, the end of my life and ministry on earth. He came to that place. There was no way out, no way to save himself. Have you ever asked that question? You know, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Well, I imagine the worst thing that could happen is you could die. And Paul said, that's where we were. We were facing the scenario of the very worst possible outcome. But he said, God brought us there. So that we would learn not to trust in ourselves, but in Him who is even able to raise the dead. If my life is given at this moment, then my God will resurrect me. I'll be with Him. And I do believe that God will bring your Christian life and journey more than once in your time, more than once in your journey, to this place where you are not able to trust in yourself. It seems to be part of what God does in our lives to develop faith and spiritual growth and maturity. He brings you into that place where you come to the end of yourself. You try everything, you've schemed everything, you've tried to manage, you've done everything, but nothing is working, and God is leading you there so that you will completely surrender yourself to trust in Him. Okay, God, I need you and you alone can bring me through this. And that's where God begins to work. Paul will say later, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I finally come to the end of my own ability to fix and manage and do, that's when God can kick in and show Himself strong on my behalf. And I'm not saying we live there constantly. I don't think we could handle it. But I do believe there will be seasons where God will take you to that place where you will once again have to learn to trust completely in Him. Because we like to work it out ourselves, don't we? We like to say that we have faith in God so long as we can see a way that we can work it out, just in case God needs our help. Just in case God hasn't got it all worked out. At least I do. Some one of us knows what's going on here. And that's the kind of faith we like to walk in. I'm trusting God, but I also I got a you know, I got a backdoor plan just in case. And God will navigate you to that place where you don't have those options. He brings you to that place in life sometimes where You can no longer trust in yourself, but you have to trust in God. Physically, emotionally, financially, surrendering even your life to His hand. Now I will confess, it's not a place that we enjoy, but it is a place of deep spiritual growth and maturity. And I can look back on my life and I can see some of those valleys that the Lord brought me through. 
and the lessons that he learned. Now, I've got to tell you, when I was in it, I wanted out. Lord, I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want this, whatever this lesson is, I just fail me and let's get me out of this thing. I just want out. And you've all been there. Maybe you're there now. You know, you, you know that place. But you know, and it's only afterwards, really. It's only afterwards that you begin to see what God was up to. And you begin to realize that you're better for it. Spiritually, you're stronger. Spiritually, you're, you're more mature. You have something to say and speak into people's lives that are going through trouble. Because you've been there. And without that experience, you would never know it. You just you won't know the depths of what He is and who He is if you don't go to some of those deep places. That's where you meet Him. That's where you see Him clearly and brightly. It's no fun. And we would never choose it for ourselves. And I don't advise anybody to try to get yourself in that kind of a situation. Trust Him. He'll get you there all by yourself. But... That's where the Lord will meet you and work in your life. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's the Father of mercies. You can trust Him. And He's the God of all comfort. He will meet you there. He will meet you in that time. And as He, as he meets you there, you will then grow and mature in your relationship with Him. And then you're going to have opportunity to minister that strength to others. We're going to take communion here in a moment. And I'm going to close in prayer. But I want to leave you with these kind of three summary thoughts concerning this passage. Number one, I want you to focus your heart on receiving His mercy and comfort. Maybe you're here today and you're in the midst of a trial. Maybe you're here today and and you don't even have a relationship with God and, and you'd like to have help, you'd like some comfort, but you don't even know Him in a personal way. Step one is... You know, you've got to receive what God has for you. Receive His mercy in Christ. And then let God comfort your heart today. Let His Word, let these words, let, let you know what others have gone through. You know what I shared of the testimony of a mother losing her son. Let that minister comfort in your heart. God is with you. You're not alone. Receive His comfort today. That's thought, summary thought number one. Second thought is be a minister of His mercy and comfort. Look for ways to help and minister to others. You know, you're not in this alone. People are hurting. People are hurting all around you. Open your eyes. Everybody's going through something. Look for ways to bring what God has taught you to minister into the heart and life of others. Can I pray with you? Are you okay? Is everything all right? I'm not being nosy. You don't have to give me details, but just let me pray. I can see your trouble. I can see there's a weight on you. How can we walk together and be ministers of His mercy and comfort? And then finally, trust not in yourself, but in God alone. Oh, don't trust in your self-sufficiency, your ability, your plans, your, your strengths. No, trust in God. He is the one that brings you through and keeps you and holds you in His hand. And He is with you every step of the way. Keep your trust and faith in Him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for these words of comfort here today. The Apostle Paul talking of his personal testimony of how You met him. Lord, even when he despaired of his life, You were there and rescued him. And that gave him confidence that You could 
you could watch over his affairs, that you would be faithful with everything that he had committed to you. And so, God, I pray that that would encourage our hearts today as well, that we would receive that word of comfort, Lord, that we would look for ways to minister, and that we would even, Lord, completely trust in you. And Lord, I want to pray for those that are here today that may not know you in a personal way. Or maybe there are some here today that are so overwhelmed by their trial that they've lost faith, they've lost hope, they've lost their way in relationship with you. And as our heads are bowed here today, if if you're someone that has never received Jesus Christ into your life, I would love to pray for you. If the Lord is speaking to you and you want to receive Him as your Savior and have this wonderful peace of God flood your heart, this forgiveness of sin because of what He did for you at the cross, I would love to pray. And I'd love to pray before we distribute these communion elements so that we can celebrate together. Or maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him. You do know Him. You have a relationship. But as I mentioned, maybe even through trial or sin or some circumstance of your life, today you are far from the Lord. And you need to come back to Him and rededicate, recommit your life in this moment. I would love to pray for you too. What a beautiful Uh, Time to come to the Lord at His table as we celebrate what He's done for us at the cross. This isn't about us getting right or about us doing better or about us kind of, you know, getting it together so we can come to Him. This is coming as you are because of what He's done. And He loves you. So if you're here today and you need Jesus for the very first time or you would like to recommit and rededicate your life, Would you simply raise your hand where I can see you here today and I'll pray for you. God bless you. A couple hands upstairs here in the center as well. Over on my left. Lord bless you, sir. Amen. You, ma'am, as well. Any others? Just pray. Take communion together. The Lord's speaking to you. He's drawing you by His Spirit. He loves you. He wants to meet you now in prayer. Cleanse you. Refresh you. Amen. Amen. Upstairs, I see you. Any others, just before I pray, for these that have responded. And so, Lord, we do thank you. I did see that last minute hand. God bless you, sweetheart. Amen. He loves you. He sees your heart. Oh, and over here, a couple. All right. I don't want to jump the gun. God's waiting. He's patient. Anybody else in the back as as well? God bless you and you and you. Amen. 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 On the left, I see you, ma'am. On my left. Anyone else? We do thank You for the ministry of Your Spirit here today. And we thank You for these hearts that are responding and crying out to You, God. And they're saying, Lord, here I am. Help me. Save me. Forgive me. I'm thankful for your promise today, Lord, that gives us this confidence that for all who call upon your name, 
you will in no way reject. You are so committed to us as we turn our heart to you, Lord, every heart responding here today. God, I pray that you would meet them in such a powerful, spiritual way that they would know for certain that your love is upon them, that you have forgiven them of their sin as they confess and acknowledge that sin before you. There's no need to be living in shame or guilt. Lord, we confess it. We acknowledge it. Cleanse us today by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, help us to walk and live in this peace, this comfort, this grace. Oh God, help us to live for You. Thank You for Your love and thank You for Your Son. We offer it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to pass out the elements. Amen. Amen. The elements will come to you in two cups, one with the cracker, one with the juice. Take, take both, hold them, and then when we all have it together, we'll pray and partake together, and uh, then we'll dismiss. So, God bless you.
my Savior and my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the one, risen Son of God. Hallelujah, Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the church in Corinth, in giving their instructions on the communion table, he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we thank You for Your sacrifice upon the cross for us because of Your love, because of Your devotion and commitment to save. We partake this now, Lord, in celebration and remembrance of You. In Jesus' name. And in the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the cleansing blood that saves and forgives us of sin. There is power in the blood. Lord, there is none too lost. There is none too far. The blood of Christ is still powerful to save and cleanse today. It's on this that we stand. It's on this that we trust. And we rejoice and celebrate the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would stand with me, I want to just dismiss you in a word of prayer. I want to make available to you prayer also available here on an individual basis at the front. Those of you that raised your hands, we would love to pray with you even as individuals. We have Bibles and resources that we would like to to make sure you're equipped with. Especially those that are just starting in the Lord. We want to just affirm your faith with God and just help and encourage you. So we'd encourage you to stop in here at the front for prayer or even out in our prayer station in the fellowship hall. Let us know. We'd love to pray with you. But I'll go ahead and dismiss and close us now. 
And so, Lord, we do thank you for your word of encouragement today. We thank you, God, for opportunity to come to your table and celebrate what you have accomplished for us in Christ. Now, God, go with your people. May your grace go with them, grace and peace in abundance. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.